This is The President's Neck is Missing. Your quasi-intellectual guide through today's modern world with host Rurik Yakel and special guest Neo Guevara. Warning, language, content, listen at your own risk. Here now is Rurik Yakel. <laughs> hey, uh, Neo, Neo Guevara, um, where are you? How are you doing? Are you there? I'm here. Oh, hey, Neo, how's it going? Well, you know, it's going. <laughs> are, are you waiting for your levy to break? I'm waiting for all the levies to break. Every levy of my life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. No, these are tough times. Uh, I, I'm feeling uh, the same as you. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for being with us. I'm Rourke Yackel, your host of The President's Neck is Missing. Thanks for listening to us here on Spotify and SoundCloud. And uh, look, I, I really don't want to waste any more time today. Uh, I just want to jump right into it. Um. So Joe Biden from Miyagi-Do had his inauguration after defeating Trump and the Cobra Kais. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what? Probably, probably not Mr. Miyagi-Do. It's more of a Mr. Magoo. Let's be honest. No, no. But but also, <laughs> if if he was a dojo from that from that universe, he would totally be Eagle Fang. <laughs> um, you know, and leave it leave it to Joe Biden's inauguration to still get overshadowed by Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey. But, I mean, that means, means Bernie Sanders and a pair of mittens. Right. Mitten that means that, that thing was crazy. Um, I mean, I, now, you know, now it's dead. I hope it's dead. But uh, I did have some uh, there was some good memes that came out of that. And I love Bernie. So <laughs> exactly. It was it was a good little romp. I enjoyed it. I, was, I, I, <laughs> I have a top three for sure. You know. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, there were some some very good, cle- like good, clever ones that came out of that. Absolutely. Like it was hard not to be a connoisseur of those memes after a while, right? Like you kind of got through all the shitty ones and some good ones a couple days, you know, a couple days into it start popping up and you're like, damn, that's a good meme. I just like that he showed up with a manila envelope and you could tell that Bernie is like, all right, let's get this done. Uh, I got a bunch of errands to run. Enjoy yourself to some sandwiches. But let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it seemed like to me the guy's just like very he's taskmaster driven it's look this inaugural this inauguration is all right but let's get moving we've got lots of things to check he's definitely a team leader absolutely if, <laughs> if, if he's in the room it's like all right we got to get a group of five going here uh bernie you lead <laughs> uh so you know it didn't take uh, it didn't take long for the new uh, Biden administration uh, to start reversing certain Trump executive orders uh, from transgender rights to uh, allowed to serve in the military, equity rights for racially marginalized groups, and one very contentious XL pipeline. Uh, here's Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. Absolutely not. Uh, I think any responsible Alberta government would have done the same thing. We were elected in 2019 on a commitment uh, to do everything possible to get pipelines built. Just like the federal government purchased uh, TMX for over $7 billion and the NDP government that preceded us uh, $3.7 billion to move a, a small amount of oil by uh, rail for three years, uh, we thought this was a necessary investment because otherwise the Keystone XL pipeline would have died last year. We've created uh, thousands of jobs in the past year uh, building this, creating the infrastructure, including the border crossing. Uh, and, uh, th- th- you know, 
if for us this is a part of a broader strategic effort to overcome the effort to landlock Alberta energy. Uh, so we've been taking an all of the above approach and we, we believe that uh, if this is a final decision that we, can, we have a very strong case uh, to obtain uh, damages, uh, compensation uh, through uh, legal challenges. 12 years of on again, off again, uh, according to this pipeline from environmental concerns, protest delays, and ultimately found it dead again on Biden's first executive order uh, days into his presidency. Um, Alberta spent uh, roughly $1.5 billion in the project last year and $6 billion in loan guarantees. Uh, the Canadian leg of the pipeline uh, has been under construction for months. Thousands of workers are now unemployed. And the expected revenue loss of about $30 billion over 20 years. That is a lot of truck lift kits in Alberta. Yeah, that's a lot of Dodge Rams with <laughs> run flats that won't be happening. That's a lot of <laughs> right, right. Skidoo and Arctic cat sales will drop dramatically this year. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um Neil, uh share your thoughts onto this. Well, I don't really have any. <laughs> oh, right. No, okay, okay. So so um let me just roll up my sleeves. Um this is a... Uh, this is a victory. Um, anyone who doesn't look at this as a step forward in progression in humanity, um, you're you, you have a critical thinking error. Um, this is this is a great thing, and there's numerous reasons as to why this is a great thing. First and foremost, <clears throat> what we are talking about, um, locked underneath Alberta's boreal forest, is 168 billion barrels of tar sands crude oil. For those of you who most likely, like me, have no fucking idea what the difference between tar sands crude oil and conventional crude oil, I'll break it down for you in a very simple manner. What we're talking about, tar sands oil, is the contents of bitumen. It's a gooey petroleum that converts to fuel. However, this gooey petroleum is exponentially more difficult to extract and refine and is three times high, is three times greater um, in leakage and spills. So what you're doing is you're basically guaranteeing with this pipeline, who I have to say the Southern leg when it was uh, up and running with under within its first year saw 11 leaks and spills. This pipeline was forecast to leak once every seven years. In less than a year, we have 11 leaks and spills, one of them being a 21,000 gallon spill. That's no small amount of oil, folks. And the difference between conventional crude and tar sands oil is when it hits aquifers and when it hits lakes and streams and ravines, it's a heavy, thick oil that goes to the bottom of the water. It doesn't float on the surface like a conventional crude, which makes cleanup absurdly difficult, much more cost consuming, time consuming, and the detriment to wildlife um, is almost immediate and greatly felt. Um, the issue that we're talking about here is we're talking about hundreds of streams, hundreds of bodies of water, hundreds of farmland, reservation land, ranch land, aquifers. Um, and the amounts that we're talking about um, are, are, are great. They're vast. When we're talking about carbon emissions, we're looking at 30% higher emissions than conventional crude oil. When they did the calculations on what the final leg, the northern leg, or the fourth phase of this project and completion would be, we're talking about 
approximately 178.3 million metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions per fucking year. Or I'll, I'll surmise it to say 38.5 million cars. Um, <laughs> right. Now, when we're going and looking at our neighbors down south, this pipeline meets up in Steel City, Nebraska. Steel City, Nebraska <laughs> has aquifers and bodies of water that make up 30% of America's total irrigation water supply system. So how lovely would that be to have a spill and a leak there? Oh, wait, <laughs> those have happened. So when we're looking at the premier um, talking about how, oh, job loss and all of these um, exasperated things that he's, he's, he's conjuring up when he's talking about unlocking Alberta's energy. What he's actually saying is decimating Alberta's boreal forest. And what he's also saying is he doesn't care about the inherent risks that are obvious and that are not a possibility, not a probability, not a, sorry. Yeah, that are not a possibility. They are a probability. Um, meaning that it's going to happen in the amounts in the frequency we that's that's uncertain but it's guaranteed that those pipes would have leaked causing more damage than the leaks that have already happened caused so when we're when we're talking about the premier and he's saying things like unlocking energy that's not what he's that's not what he's actually meaning he's talking about decimating lands he's talking what, about risky environment so I mean, when we're looking at this this pipeline, and and when we're 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 discussing all the all the issues, like people are just looking at it from this you know dollar standpoint, and oh, it's good for the economy, and it's going to help our trade, and we get to uh, supply the states with our, our biggest commodity with them, which is energy. Um, we're over like this guy is trying to he he the way he's talking about he needs to you know he wants to have a meeting with Biden and have Biden tell him like you know just basically no again, reiterate himself uh, on something that, you know, was obvious months and months and months ago. It was never going to come to fruition. It was previously vetoed. I mean, this was a 50-50 gamble, even if that, maybe maybe 60-40 or even, even shittier odds. But when you have, you know, a climate change scientist and former NASA researcher, James Henson, saying that, you know, the emissions that this would create, cause annually, would be game over for the climate. Like, what more do you need when the Dalai Lama is writing you letters, Jimmy Carter's writing you fucking letters in protest, when the largest historic act of civil disobedience occurs on the White House lawn with over 1,200 protesters being arrested because of this pipeline? What is there for you to defend? Own it. Concede. You made a stupid fucking decision. It cost billions of dollars and it jeopardized the entire environment and, and and not just alberta not just the united states we're talking about global climate disaster what what did you think uh, uh you know you when you look at the numbers here um you know 1.5 1.6 billion dollars in the project last year six billion in loan guarantees um i i guess when you when you look at the amount of red tape bureaucracy and just a, a, if you and I were gambling our own money at, at, at the sl at the blackjack table, um, the, the fact that I guess he, he put this money into something that ultimately is a huge risk, um, and again, it doesn't solve our fucking energy problem, exasperating our, ourselves until, I mean, with environmental catastrophe, Biden or uh, Barack Obama is one of the reasons he backed out of this 
from the environmental impact and protests alone, it, it, it was detrimental to, uh, is why he didn't uh, decide to go ahead with it. Well, well so, it was, so, so it's no surprise that when Biden got in, that he he ran on the well, same fucking principles of, of course, this shit. Of course, that was that was a that was one of the key cornerstones of the foundation of his campaign. Like you put all your eggs in one basket, and 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 when you know that the industry itself is nowadays more political than it is economic, <laughs> you're you took the risk. You can't sit down at the fucking blackjack table, lose when you throw go all in on the pot and then ask for your fucking buy-in money back. Like getting a reiteration from Joe Biden that he's not going ahead with it outside of what he's already said, which is he's not going ahead ahead with it globally. He's told the whole world this. It doesn't do anything. You don't what gratification are you looking to get? You're not going to convince him to go back on this. He's already aware of how forward thinking we need to be on terms of climate change and how devolved it is to go ahead with this fucking plan. It's it's a it's a problematic issue. And the premier himself has already reversed a torn up a 44 year policy on strip coal mining. So now he's going to allow further contamination of already pre-existing water supply sources, the North Saskatchewan River. Um, three major blue ribbon trout streams that are going to be contaminated with selenium that once selenium's in there, it's immediately detrimental to the to the marine life and to the aquamarine life that exists within those you know affected rivers and streams. They've already released data that shows that the all the, the current mining that wasn't strip mining, but the current process of mining has already contaminated lots of sources of drinking water for not just humans, but for obviously the animals and the wildlife that that beautiful province supports. It's a gorgeous place. Like it's it's if you've never been to Alberta, folks, it's beautiful. Every country Western film since the beginning of time has been filmed there. You're talking about Banff and the Rocky Mountains and Lake Louise and just these gorgeous aqua blue you know just it's 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 a breathtaking place yeah, incidentally that uh, let him go the kevin costner movie with uh diane lane was uh, in filmed in alberta well and dances with wolves i mean we're we're talking about major epics and and that's because of how beautiful this place is and how natural it all is and the you, the fact that someone has to come through there for a dollar okay so we're talking about the fourth phase all right. The fourth phase. That's what this that's what the northern leg is. The XL part of the pipeline is the fourth phase. Phase one, they're bringing in four hundred thirty five thousand gallons of oil per day. Phase two, they're bringing in five hundred ninety one thousand gallons of oil per day. Phase three, where they're currently at, they're bringing in eight hundred thirty thousand gallons per day. The fourth phase kicks it up to one point one million. But I mean, at 830,000 gallons, like this is all going right. overseas. Like we're not seeing this. We're not getting the actual benefits of it except for our market economy trades with the states as far as energy is concerned. So if we're so, you know, if, if his argument is about, you know, if Kenny's argument is about going forward in American markets with we're trying to sell energy to them, that's our biggest thing because we're Canada and we've got all of these awesome elements and environments and ecosystems, then why not go forward with sustainable you would get the support of the people. And for all you Albertans out there who, you know, you oil rig guys who lost your jobs, like I, I, I feel for you, but I don't feel for you any more than anyone else in this pandemic who's lost their job. In fact, I might feel a little bit less for you because you understand that your industry is hit or miss 50-50 per year, what you're going to be bringing in, who's going to get hired on. It's all contract work. It's all temporary. These jobs that are at loss, they're not permanent. They did a they did a projection. The amount of permanent jobs that would be retained if this pipeline had gone forward, we're looking at between thirty five and forty five jobs, not thousands. You, 
you know, it's interesting when you go onto social media and you're, uh, you know, you see the rhetoric from the supporters of this, you know, you get a lot of people that will do the false equivalency, uh, you know, logical fallacy of, um, you know, tell you what, in, it's, it's very cold here in Canada right now. Why don't you uh, turn off your heat and uh, see if you, uh, you know, see if you don't support the, the pipeline. Logi we're not, we're, look, we're not saying that oil is unimportant into date. Look, our whole system is driven by oil and we get it. But what we're saying is we know that it can't sustain itself any longer. And we already know that renewable energy is, is the fastest growing sector in, in the world. And it's particularly in the United States and, and can be in Canada. But, but <laughs> like, just because we we're running on, on oil doesn't mean you continue to run on oil. Well, that's the thing. Just because we've been an oil-reliant society doesn't mean that we should be and continue on that fucking trajectory of a dismal downward fucking disastrous spiral. Wake the fuck up. Like, this is the equivalent, and, 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 and I'll, I've said this before, but chastising people for using products that are, you know, coming from oil. Some asshole out there right now is like, oh, well, the microphone and the internet and the, the laptops that you guys are using on your podcast. You, do you realize, dipshit, that if we had options available that we could get products that weren't manufactured from oil, that yes, we would undoubtedly purchase those fucking products the options aren't there that's the issue it's not a point for you to make that's like you chastising someone who's on a diet for eating fucking food <laughs> uh well said neil uh okay so let's move on i um so trump is gone um and he left like a fucking whiny little bitch of a man that he's always displayed himself to be the guy who always pretended he was the big powerful guy and he was a genius he couldn't even show up to the inauguration because he's a whiny bitch the very opposite as to what a man should be particularly a leader um you know it's it's pathetic watching a person for four years and onwards tell people and he's this rich and powerful and successful businessman he did it on his fucking tv show and and at the end of the day he's just a whiny bitch that's what but that's he's, always, what he's always been that i mean i know he has just, I, know. I, I find like like here we are like i just, I just think it's so fucking funny it's like people like I get that we're 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 commemorating certain things and we're like, okay, yeah, Harris and you know is there and like we're 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 shattering these, you know, we're we're creating these monumental days um where we're giving equality. There's actual public symbols of equality. Um and I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay that or be dismissive of it in any way, shape, or form, but here's my issue. This should have happened 40 fucking years ago. We all know this, like, welcome to 2021. Do you mean to tell me that that's where we're just rounding that corner now, today, in this fucking time? The aliens are here in a fucking global pandemic and fucking Joe Rogan's going to be the next president-elect. And, like, this is this is where we're at. And you're just going, hey, we should get some diversity in our fucking Senate. But yet you still don't have any diversity, like, in your cabinets. What? It's, it's interesting. So just to jump on what you're saying. So Joe Rogan did say something interesting the other day, and I wanted your thoughts, Neo. Uh, so Joe, Joe Rogan always does a self-proclaimed. Um, he says, like, I'm politically inept. And he simply admits he doesn't particularly follow politics like avid pundits. Um, but he did have some insight into the He's rumors. He's an apologist. Uh, that's what he is. He's well, an apologist. Right, that's a good word. And, but he does have some 
So here's some uh, insight into the rumors of Trump's new political party, the Patriot Party. Um, let's just hear a clip. What happens next? What are you going to do with all this? You got you, you like the fight. You like you like the conflict. What are you going to do with all this energy? You Good. got this Let, conflict let's, energy. Let's rechannel that. Let's mm. rechannel to that. real problems? To actually fight for the people that's against those who wield uh, the, the power. Yeah, but that's not fun. What's fun I is a bad guy. Is. Bad guys are fun. We need another bad guy. We, we got plenty of those. Trust me. We got plenty of bad guys. I know, but we don't have a bad guy like Trump. But here's here's the thing is, and I agreed, like people who have been uh, looking forward to January 20th as though this is going to solve all of the all of the problems yeah. that our country has faced uh, are missing the reality that the way we got here are because of some some deeply seated problems that that have pre-existed uh, the previous administration. <laughs> the Joe Rogan experience. Um, another thing I, I heard, this is really crazy, that Trump is going to start a third party that he's been talking about start, starting a party called the Patriot Party, which is like, holy shit. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, Again, rearview is... mirror. <laughs> rearview mirror. <laughs> I don't believe he's going to be in the rearview mirror. I just don't. I think people are going to get bored. I think it's going to, a few months will go by or whatever it is until he's in the news again. And then uh, it just won't be exciting without him. And then I think we need a foil. We need someone. <laughs> look, look, the fucking 2021 season, it's going to be pretty boring if Trump's not involved at all. Like if if this was a long running show like Ozark or something like that, oh, right? Gosh. And we get to <laughs> we get to the new season when he steps down. Like this can't be it. Oh, I see what they're gonna do. They're gonna pretend that everything's gonna be fine. We got Biden. We got Harris. We got uh, a lot of uh, really diverse people in the cabinet. This is gonna be wonderful. We got it. We nailed it. Everything's great. And then something. That's what the worry is. Okay, so, uh, Neil, what, what do you make of the notion? Uh, first of all, I want to quickly clarify, um, Trump's not going to create another party. Um, I, I, like, it's all going to really come down. Trump is what he's going to do is he's just going to drum up the same Republican base. He already in Florida has, he put himself in what he calls the office for what is it, the, the former president. And he's, and he's operating like a kid in a, in a tree house running a little detective agency. So he's got a little place in Florida right now and it's an office and he's going to operate things the way he kind of did when he was a president poorly. Um, but what do you pick in the notion like that Rogan was saying that, um, that it's pretty much America's like a TV series and it needs a bad guy to keep people engaged into the now reality TV show that is America. Like it, sadly, is he right? Do you think Americans are, do you think people are in the back burner or watching the political play out of the, of the United States? And they go, you know what? I'll say this about Trump. He kept it interesting. What do you, go ahead. Well, I, I, it's, um, yeah, there's definite truth to that. Um, but that's, we're talking about a very specific demographic. Um, and, and that demographic is, is a low level fucking demographic. <laughs> Um, that's a bottom crawling, uh, mental state demographic. Um, those are the supporters of him. Like the mere fact that, you know, Rogan even mentioned that on his platform, uh, you know, 
exposing himself to all the gun toting, you know, inbred hillbillies that make up the Trump supporting demographic. They all tune in to Joe because he's impartial to everything. So because he's right down the middle on almost every single issue, he's not a good guy and he's not a bad guy. So everybody fucking likes him. It just gets him in where he wants to be, which is liked by everybody for specific qualities because he can hop over the fence whenever it suits his character or his portrayal. Right. He, right? he does do that, right? He he plays that. Uh, hey. I'm I'm just bringing people on here like Elon Musk or hey I'm just bringing on these you know far right wing uh, lunatics because I don't know anything and sure I'm giving them a platform but I don't know anything I'm just Joe Rogan I'm just like you said I'm an apologist I, I just whoopsie. Whoopsie, you're, you're, giving, I... <laughs> you're giving shitty people a fucking, you know, a broad reach uh, that shouldn't have a fucking broad reach. People who didn't know about these shitty people. I mean, that's a good thing that like, 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 let's think about it. If you have someone who's actively preaching and spitting out rhetoric and is publishing that and promoting it because he's got freedom of speech and all of this shit, um, the less people know about that, the better it is for the people who live in the the the, the norm of reality and, and, well, and I wanna, in a moral accord ahead. society. You, you know what sure. I mean? Sure, and I want to clarify too. Like for myself, I want to clarify. Look, I mean, I, I'm a. There's not. There's nothing. There's nothing to me that is far more relevant than the I, the notion of freedom of speech. And and I'm particularly one of those people that. I think sunlight is the best disinfectant. I believe even the worst thoughts and stupid ideas need to be brought to the surface so we can easily dismantle those. I am a, I mean, a fan of But when we do get into things that incite violence, when we get into, like, we're no longer debating the merits of uh, you know, two different opinions. I, I think when, when, you know, race issues are come to the forefront, I, those are things that don't need to be debated. I, I we're done debating them. No, I, it, I, I don't like it, it. People have like people constantly say this to whitewash every kind of discrepancy between people. Any kind of diatribe gets canceled with, "Well, everyone has a right to their opinion. We can differ on opinions." Yeah, about pizza toppings and fucking shows we like, not racism and human rights and like right. it's like you when it comes to morality. Like we're not going to disagree on the basic basis of morality here. Like you, of course we can, we can, we can fucking get way, you know, we can expound upon that and get way out into the fucking stars about what's moral and what's not and blah, 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 blah. But we all inherently know as a species inside of the crest of our fucking souls man what's right and what's fucking wrong and mind you yeah there's going to be that small percentage of folks who don't that we label insane and they get to you know spend their life in the puzzle factory but the rest of us we know what fucking time it is and there's just certain things that you do and that you don't do and that's and well, and, think, and, and that's the bottom line and that's and that's I what a lot of this comes down to we don't need people who have poor who are of poor moral character and shitty moral fiber generating a following to get a bunch of like-minded scumbags to unite and become a force or a movement that the rest of us now have to defend against that's just shitty and that's a perpetual cycle that never ends and it's a great spot to jump on uh, you know so like in the last month i've noticed an overlap in society towards the idea of freedoms um the first particularly came out when trump was removed from notable social media accounts um, the far right app Parler lost their hosting site and the app was killed. Now, what was interesting was the large amount of rhetoric that was used to vilify his removal from these platforms. 
namely freedom of speech. So President's neck is missing. He wants to tackle these particular subjects today. Freedom of speech, freedom of protest, and perhaps clean up any misconceptions about certain freedoms people cite on social media and how we can forcibly remove their head from their ass. Like, so I want to unpack freedom of speech. Um, there are three related but distinct sets of events that occurred uh, during uh, the final weeks for Donald Trump. So let's address the first one. The first is the deplatforming of, of President Donald Trump from Twitter, Facebook, and other sites. The second is social media's mass banning of QAnon um, and capital assault-related accounts in media. And the third is the very least temporary collapse of Parler, um, a right-wing uh, Twitter clone that promised to be a haven for free speech. So I wanted to start off with Trump and his social media accounts, particularly Twitter, on which he had 88 million people following. And in the aftermath of the Capitol invasion, a federal crime that resulted in five de deaths, Trump and his team continue to post material that could be interpreted to endorse the riot. So Facebook, Twitter, and other major social companies basically viewed this as a violation of their terms and, and, and deactivated his accounts. So what I con continue to hear, which is mind-boggling, is isn't that unconstitutional violation of the first right amendments? No. It's, it's not because the First Amendment is specifically about the limits of what the government could do to regulate speech. Twitter is a private company and it's entitled to restrict its services how, however they want. They're, they're obviously subject to certain federal laws, but they do not owe you anything. <laughs> have, have, have you encountered this? Well, well, people, people have, man, freedom, freedom is a, is an illusory thing. Um, it's all, it all comes down to privilege and, and, and where you're geographically located and what privileges your government allows you to have. Um, there, what people don't understand when it comes to speech is that there are certain categories of speech that aren't protected by the first amendment. And if you're Canadian freedom of expression, there are certain sections of, uh, that which are also not protected. So when we're talking about obscenity, we're talking about defamation, uh, we're talking about hate speech, we're talking about, uh, fighting words, <clears throat> things like of, of that nature. Or, um, you know, commercial speech, which is less protected. They have guidelines within commercial speech when it comes to product advertisements and et cetera. Um, so when we understand that those things are in existence and that some newspaper um, can't just go and print out cocksucking motherfucking, you know, and drop F-bombs all over the place, <clears throat> we understand that we don't have what would be, by definition, freedom of speech at its very most simplistic core that's non-existent because if that was a reality, you would be able to say whatever you wanted to whomever you wanted, whenever you wanted, without repercussion, legally. That's not the case. We don't exist in a world or in a society where that has ever been an allowable thing. There are guidelines. There are what's called um, reasonable limits um, on things that you can say, especially when you are publishing or you are publicly speaking or declaring things. If you are creating a movie, like, I mean, folks, do I really need to break it down for you to understand in simplistic terms of like neo-Nazism per se? Like, do you really want freedom of speech to get to the point where we've got a bunch of neo-Nazis rallying in our streets and they're allowed right. a podium we, and a microphone? 
could you could you could you put up a billboard in Times Square um, that was anti-Semitic and go? Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I guess that's just got a right to their opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. like you, you right, like you can't no, no, go, I guess you can't go through that, right? Uh, so. Uh, an analogy would be, you know, Twitter is a privately owned stadium where Twitter Corporation has built the facilities, hired the security and handed out the megaphones to everyone walking in the doors. They can charge admission or they don't charge admission, but it's their property. They can let in and kick out whomever they want. That is what they're like. Anybody that goes on these social media sites, understand you're just walking into their fucking dojo and they're letting you go. Look, totally. here, here, here's the house party. These are the rules to our house party. Yeah, and man. you're either going to abide by them or you're not going to abide by them. Getting kicked out, you don't have a right to come back to that fucking party. It's, we all know what he said. We all know what the results of what him, what his speech culminated in. We're talking about a loss of life. Like people are like, people are running around joking about this shit. Like it's like, it's all about a guy in a fucking fuzzy Viking hat with horns. Like, Everyone is overlooking the fact that there's five dead human beings as a result of this fucking stupid, moronic, idiotic mob of goons and goofs who fucking storm the Capitol like like life is some sort of fucking hillbilly video game. It, it's it's right. a, it's absurd that people aren't paying attention to the fact that there was deaths involved and that you and that people are trying to vilify those who are in defense of the capital and defense of their own lives against those who are looking in there to do one thing. You're not there storming a public place like that that's under secured security um, with armed guards to play patty cake and to have a nice polite conversation and maybe knit a sweater. You're there to cause some shit. You're you're going in there with camo fucking on and a bunch of fucking makeshift weapons and all kinds of shit. Like you weren't there to have any form of a peaceable <clears throat> discussion. So I, I, sure. you reap what you sow. You reap what you I, sow. I, I, you you want to have pity for the one woman who got killed by the Capitol Police, but then you're not having any any empathy or sympathy towards the Capitol Police officer who got killed. Like this is absurd to me. It's a bizarro world. I'm not sure people understand the reach and power the president of the United States actually has. So admits the election fraud claims. And he challenged it in over 60, his 60 cases in courts. Um, he he claims he never had a chance to state in his case. The, the president of the United States is the most un, has the most unbridled access to media in the world. First off, any news agency in the world would drop anything to have an exclusive interview with him. Now, some would argue that, well, but then he's just going to, you know, go on fake news and, and they're going to twist his words. Well, here's the good news. With the presidency, it also comes with your own press corps. He also has the government media site where he can, unredacted, get his word out to all Americans. So if there was like an election fraud and he had all the evidence to support his claims and needed desperately to get the word out, he could un unambiguously, without vagueness, get that information out to all Americans. Interesting, he never did that. He, I mean, he failed at every legal option available to him. The president of the United States failed at every legal option. That that guy wields a lot of power. And then when you say, well, I don't know how to communicate with people and I can't get, why are people not understanding that the election was a fraud? You have unbridled access to to media that none of us have. Man, and, 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 like, man you know, the, guy, the guy can make up his own policy on the dime. 
<clears throat> if 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 you want to talk like just briefly going back to the Keystone Pipeline here, there were there were three lawsuits filed when it came to the flawed environmental analysis data that Trump had posted as a means to get the permitting to be allowed to create the last leg of the pipeline. He just so so when when they when they had the three lawsuits, the first one was like a denial. They're like, no, we're not going to go through this. You're not going to get approved for the permit, the cross border uh, permit. He just went and approved it himself. He just superseded the administrative a- aspect of it, and he just allowed himself to do it. So we're talking about a guy <laughs> who, like, he can literally at at like whenever he wants make policy, do things, create things, make approvals, grant clemency, do all kinds of crazy shit. But then when it comes to releasing documents or um, substantially, without a doubt, um, vindicating his own name, he comes up short. Again, like, again provide some evidence. Like, it, it's, it's weird to me that people, how many people came out and were like, but poor Donald, he can't get on Twitter and, and tell us what's going on in the world. This guy has unbridled access to to every media in the world if he chose to. Well, he's not. That, that's he, what it, he could go on live television. He could just call a press right. conference, live news, and have every major channel internationally tuned in on him, and he could yeah. go hold it up himself and go, look, zoom in. Right, it would be, right. It would be um, that easy, that simplistic and easy, if, if there was that option. Oh, wait. Right. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, the second battle here is uh, what happened with the tw- uh, Twitter being at the forefront. Um, it banned users advocating misinformation and violence that led to the January 6th riot, and as well as users planning for a follow-up event on January 17th. So Twitter's specific focus was on QAnon, the far-right conspiracy um, group alleging that a cabal of Satanist pedophiles in the government. So what they did was they banned tons of accounts um, that were all tied to this kind of stuff. Like former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, uh, Trump recount lawyer Sidney Powell. Uh, many conservative figures complained that their follower follower numbers dropped by the thousands over the weekend and accused Twitter of censoring conservatives broadly. So, look, and, and it, it kind of goes back to what you and I are talking about. Um, again, uh, I, I'm, I don't want to live in a world where we're not – Inter- I want to have the open debate. I really do. But the reality is Twitter can kick off whomever it wants. And all these users already agreed that Twitter could kick them out. Um, you know, Parts of signing up for Twitter includes agreeing to its service terms, which lay out a range of allowed and barred behaviors. You, you Most people don't like look at these terms of service, um, but they exist. Um, and in a court of law, they'd be considered effectual. So anybody that that thinks that there's not, I guess, um, that Twitter's not within their rights to to kick out whoever they don't like um, <laughs> needs to uh, needs to pick up a, a, at least a, a legal book. Um, posts on Parler um, have shown that it, it's it was a communication nexus for planning around the capital invasion of January 6th. Um, Several users have also made what appear to be violent threats against members of the government. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, um, they, they were chanting Vice President Mike Pence, um, who were also, they were actually in the Capitol during this siege. So on January 8th, uh, Apple warned Parler that if it didn't institute a moderation policy to deal with violent threats within 24 hours, the app would be banned from its app store. 
um, Google suspended parlor. Um, they, um, bunch of posts were deleted and that same day, Amazon announced it would stop hosting parlor, effectively shutting the social service media down, um, for that particular app. Now, a lot of people, again, so like they're, they're thinking that so uh, their freedom of speech is being taken away from them. Um, in this particular case, so part of the particular case, this, this is all about private entities uh, severing contracts with one another. That's all like parlor and Apple have a contract that Apple chose to end. Yeah. Like, same with Google. Like you, 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 you can't like, so you can't take contracts in business and then, so yeah, obviously there's political motivating factors behind this, but it's not necessarily the politics being discussed. That's the issue. It's the way that it's being discussed. It's the way that things are being expressed. It's the, it's the language being used. Like, that's the issue here. And people aren't understanding that like you have terms and conditions, you agree to it, whether you are aware of them or not, they're in existence and they're binding. They're legally fucking binding. If they want to kick you, if they want to ban you, right. like it's just, a, it's just right. a fact of life. And, and, and right. And companies have the right to go, look, they we, always have too. Like it's, it's like right. going, we into had... a bar, going into a restaurant. If you're too drunk, if you're being an idiot, if you're being rude to the staff, if you're being threatening to the customers, they kick you the fuck out. Like that's just that's just what happens. Of course, there's repercussions for your actions. Of course, there's repercussions I, for things that you say. Like, when has there not been? When has there not been? Exactly. I also think it's interesting that people think this stuff is just happening now. That we're in this new twilight zone of a world, and and they're all everyone's like, you know, wow, we never had you know these corporations or media do this before. So let's just educate people for the decades of power that neoliberalism has supported both sides of the political aisle. Like Warner Communications had a sub subsidiary publishing house and that deliberately was put out of business after printing like 20,000 copies of the book Manufacturing Consent and those books were destroyed. You, these corporations have been doing this shit forever. And now, like, I mean, certain people are maybe just arriving to the party and understanding that, whoa, wait a second. Now, like now my corporation that I was I, like, I signed on to this media, social media, and now they're, I got banned. Like what's going on? This shit's been going on forever. Well, that's because like a lot of these myopic human beings <clears throat> have, they never give a shit about any of this stuff their whole entire lives. And then a pandemic hits and now all of a sudden everyone's a political sciences major. And, and, and that's what the fucking problem comes down to. You haven't been paying attention your whole fucking life. You never cared. You never listened to Rage Against the Machine and you skipped fucking history class. All right? <laughs> right. Shithead. And you don't just get to show up now to the lesson already in progress going, well, no, what I, what I read in chapter one, asshole. We're on chapter 48 right fucking now. You're not up right. to par. Therefore, you don't qualify to have this kind of conversation with people. You don't qualify to have a forum to project your, your idiocy and your myopic viewpoints to the rest of the world so that other impressionable morons such as yourself who don't have an education can take what you say as an education and then become, oh, I don't know, some douchebag in a fuzzy horned hat storming the Capitol. But yeah, yeah, I agree. This is the free market capitalism you wanted. You wanted you wanted less government control. You gave it to corporations, and and now you're going. Wow, now I, I well, how come I can't write the book I want? How come I can't say the things I want to spew on on these social media? Because it's no longer control. Uh, like 
you you allowed yourself. This is what capitalism looks like. Totally. And now you now you don't like it. Totally. So and now everyone wants like, well, there's got to be a better way. Well, yeah, you know, there's guys like Bernie Sanders and Noam Chomsky who have been telling you this for literally over half a fucking century. But again, you never paid attention and you didn't care. And why didn't you care? Because it never fucking directly affected you. But now it's shaken up your tiny little fragile world and whatever conception you thought you had of what your fucking freedoms were. And you feel infringed. Imagine, imagine going through your whole life and let's say you're what? 30 40 50 and all of a sudden now in your privileged existence you feel infringed upon i'd like to see a swap shoes with a minority uh, i was gonna say I, I wonder what being marginalized or a woman like 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 right. how about this go be a minority woman boom you're, you're like go 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 take a look at what freedoms mean to you from those lenses well, and, and again, I think that we can jump off on that point. Um, the second part of the story tonight, and the one that uh, we're ending off with, is a story about Dr. Shahid Shahab, our chief medical officer, and the absolute brainless protest <laughs> that occurred outside his residence last week. Premier Scott Moe took to Twitter after a group of roughly nine people stood outside Dr. Shahab's home with signs and made their presence known, including the neighbor where a verbal altercation ensued. Mo called these people idiots and denounced them rightly so. Um, Tamara Lavoie, one of the founders of these freedom movements, can be heard laughing all the way through the spectacle. Uh, not to be outdone, our own brave heart, Mark Friesen, decided to respond with his justification for the gathering. Let's listen. To Mr. or to Dr. Shahab's family home in Regina. Okay, so... I get it. It's probably uncomfortable. Um, you know, if I, I, I try to, I try to be empathetic in these things. I'm trying to think, okay, what would I do if nine people were standing outside on the street, on the sidewalk in front of my house? What would I do? I would, I, most definitely walk outside my front door, walk to wherever these people are standing, and I would ask them what the hell they're doing here. <laughs> Maybe I could read a sign or two uh, to, to get some context, but I would go and ask them, what, what the hell are you doing? And maybe get into a conversation to find out what it is they're protesting, what it is they're upset about. And, and maybe have some dialogue. That's what I would do. Um, but, of course, the other point to this, misguided protest to Dr. Shahab's family home in Regina. Well, I've had, on two occasions now, police officers wearing their firearms, and all their other tools and their uniform come to my door a law-abiding citizen who has done nothing to break the law who's not a criminal come to my door twice and issue me $2,800 tickets slash summons um, at the time I didn't consider that to be harassment 
I didn't consider it to be. But in this context, if we're going to start doing this, then then maybe that's what that is. Then maybe it's harassment. Maybe I should put a sign on my front lawn saying, if you walk here without being invited, you're trespassing. Uh, you know, do we do we get into this? Do we play this game now? Uh, so, Neil, okay. So that's Mark Friesen um, basically justifying um, his position um, of why the group thinks it's okay to go outside now a personal somebody's personal residence where their family's living and 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 set up camp there and then used it also to he he used it he said the because he had police issue him citations for his movement it's the same just go fucking tee off man wow this is one of those things where it's like so messy where do you start to clean up um, like <laughs> it's like a shitty teenager's room you know you just walk in and you're like well what <laughs> you know where to begin um it's a false equivalence first of all i mean we're, we're talking about a guy who's going downtown into public businesses and chastising the 17 year olds working there about store policy that they had nothing to do, no influence on the only, the only requirement for them is to uphold the store's policy. Um, And this guy's going around and he's putting these people on blast, confronting them on camera, uh, you know, with microphones and shit and putting people on the spot who might not even have a single, a solitary clue as what's going on. It could be, they could be a university kid doing online school, working their part-time minimum wage job, and this asshole comes walking in and starts spouting his rhetoric at them, and they're going, "Buddy, I, I don't. I'm not even paying attention to this shit right now. I've got other things happening in my life that fucking supersede your need to feel important right now." And so, you like when we're talking about this guy, and he's talking about citations, you're defying public health orders. Like a person in you, uh, with your stature in society should be an example uh, and, and a good one, not not the poor one, not 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 the dumb demographic that the rest of us are looking at. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, like, you're obviously not on board with science. I mean, that's 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 clearly what we can see here. The guy, right. the guy thinks he's smarter than scientists. Um, and the fact that he would equate him getting summons and tickets and citations for defying public health orders versus having people at your fucking I like if you want to go protest outside his work i mean again I, right but I, I also, private fucking residence where that's their sanctuary that's where they're supposed to feel safe and have solitude away from all of that shit that you're bringing to their doorstep imagine if those people who are at that gathering had the role reversed on them how upset they'd be calling 911 I thought it was disingenuous for for uh, Mark Friesen to suggest, uh, as he did, that, well, if that happened to me, what I would do is I would go out and I would want to know, like, A, what the hell is going on, but then have a, a constructive uh, co- like a conversation. Sure you would, Mark. Sure you would. That pussy because, would be dialing 911 in a heartbeat, thinking there's a mob outside that, that's going to lynch me. That's what that right, guy would that, be thinking. Right. I, I, I feel for uh, Dr. Hobbs' family. You don't know these people. They're unhinged people. I, I'm not asking them to go out and, and now create a dialogue with a bunch of assholes outside of his home. They don't have to. They, they don't have to. 
they're at their home and they deserve the right to be left alone. Exactly. That's why you buy a home is for privacy or else everyone would live under a fucking tent in a field. Like this is the thing you're, you're, you those, that gathering is not there, not creating tension. They're not like to, to show up like that in a state of protest at someone's house is creating an act of aggression on someone's private fucking property, man. Right. That's, where, that's where someone has a responsibility of defending themselves, their property, and their loved ones inside of that residence. And you're making those people feel uncomfortable and like that safety is in jeopardy. That's what you've done. You've done nothing right. more. And, and all you've done is vilified yourselves. Nobody's going to listen to you because if that was any any of us, any of us, Right. Regular normal people who just want to relax at home, watch fucking The Simpsons and well, not anymore. The old Simpsons, but you know, <laughs> kick, kick your feet up and, and relax and watch some television or something like that. The last thing you want is to hear a ruckus outside and see a bunch of fucking people standing at your property there to protest you like that. That is not that is unacceptable that there's a time and a place for these types of things. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I agree. And let's like a person's, let's home, a person's home is not that. And and, and I, I highly I don't see it's fucking it blows my mind. You're totally right. Disingenuous is a very articulate way to put it. It's complete bullshit and cunt fuckery that someone in a political party or in any kind of facet of politics would say that if they saw a group of people gathering outside their homes, that they would do anything but call the fucking cops. Who will like smell what you're shoveling, man? Well, and I think one could argue the legalities of real movement. But I don't think anyone is debating the morality of it. Like, it's just wrong. Like, own it. So, like, here's the thing is I, I want to quash the rhetoric quickly that these people are within the parameters of law. Just to get back on track, there, Section 1 of the Charter ensures no right is absolute. You can read that charter all up and down every day the rest of your life. But everything in that is not an absolute. There's Everything's a gray area there. Look, picketing outside of, say, a busy roadway for a business or is one thing. But it's another thing when you start protesting outside of somebody's home because it crosses. So lawyer Nicholas Brown said, as soon as they cross that line where they're making personal contact with Dr. Shahab or his family, or if they're falling from his workplace to his private property to his home, that's where the line gets crossed from peaceful to something that's not so peaceful. So... It's it's like and and that makes sense. Again, I'm asking, I'm urging the people that that you these fucking idiots that do go to these homes, just seriously think about what you're doing for a second. It's the equivalent of going, well, I have the right to go and I guess personally protest my ex girlfriend, and I'll just I'll just follow her all the way home, and I'll stand outside her home, and I, you're you're not protesting anymore. You're you're putting a notion of fear and intimidation against a fucking family. I'll tell you what they're doing. You're bringing conflict to my fucking doorstep. Absolutely. In, in which fucking society do we allow that without a re fucking percussion where the law even steps aside and says, handle your business. Like, like right. this is a thing. This is a thing. You like, again, you want to bring it to the workplace because it embodies the man's work. It doesn't embody the man's home life. His wife, his children, his pets, his possessions, they have nothing to do with this. You don't make people suddenly start feeling uncomfortable and in fear for those things. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If this was uh, less than 100 years ago, 
um, you get shot for that fucking shit, man. Or, or someone's coming out the porch and bucking off the scattergun in the air to disperse the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and that would have really hope- been legal. And that would have been acceptable because of the presence of threat that you created on that person's private property by simply showing up there. That's not the time and place. That's not what nobody. And here's the other thing. Do you think his neighbors appreciate that shit? Do you think anybody else in the fucking block or neighborhood right. felt comfortable or safe with that? You basically got a mob outside. No one and I think that's, I, I honestly think where this group doesn't get it is it's it's one thing to go, you know, do I have a legal right? And then, geez, morally, should I? So, like, I really hope that, like, there's a criminal harassment charge with these people. Like, the criminal code section re- uh, references several types of prohibited conduct. Repeatedly following a person or someone known to them from place to place. Repeatedly communicating with the person or someone known to them, either directly or indirectly. Besetting or watching the residents workplace or other known location of the individual or uh, someone they know or engaging in threatening conduct directed at the other person or member of their family sitting listening to mark friesen um sit there and try to justify this behavior is appalling you you want you want to show leadership you you have a movement that you think needs to gain traction and you and more importantly you want to gain people to join your cause not like this asshole no, that is not how you get the like. <laughs> it's funny to me that people who are involved in the sport of popularity contest don't understand how to achieve popularity. Um, <laughs> threatening intimidation, um, those never work. People rebel against that. People's it, like it's an innate response to resist that type of shit. It doesn't work well. What you need to do is you, you, you when it comes to convincing people. It comes through logic and sensibility. And guess what? You will never be able to convince the logical and the sensible outside of those two realms. And so you're going to fail. And that's why certain things are the way they are. That's why a Keystone Pipeline won't be created because it's fucking stupid and it's asinine. I mean, there's so many things that will be kibosh because we're coming to a precipice i think in society and in the planet right now as far as humans as a species are concerned where there's there's a certain amount of intolerance we've developed to bullshit that we've been tolerating for far too long and we're seeing it in these shining examples of people and their conduct of character and now we're trying to analyze and scrutinize that conduct of character are these people actually fit and suitable for the positions that they fucking hold because morality and legality are two different ballparks because something's legal doesn't make it moral because something's illegal doesn't make it immoral. So when we're talking about people like you're mentioning who want to say, well, it's within their legal right. I don't give a fuck what your legal right is. You're violating and whether you're violating a law or a, or, a, or a sense of comfortability and safety or a sense of privacy or if you're intruding upon a person's ability to feel safe and like their home is uh, a place of it, it, it's secure um, it doesn't matter what law you're you're operating within you are violating a ground of morality between people and how people operate as a species and how we work within relationships toward one another. It doesn't further your cause. It sets you back. And again, if you're going to try and justify that shit, who are you justifying it to? Because it's not to the logical and the sensible. Yeah. Well, and these would seem almost easy terms and situations that normal, reasonable people understand. 
However, these aren't reasonable times and the group here is less than normal. Um, Neo, uh, thanks again um, for coming. Um, I'm uh, Obviously, we'll see each other again. For uh, Be Kind, please rewind. I appreciate uh, your input as always. Thank you for uh, putting up with my uh, contemptuous ramblings. <laughs> um, you know, this particular group has no one clear voice or leader. It's an entire mass of people all screaming ideas at once. Um, some are there to voice concerns about the government's handling of COVID pandemic. Others don't believe in it at all. Others don't believe in the use of masks. Others like others like Tamara Lavoie have more nefarious ideas to what's occurring and it's deep state level conspiracy. Others sadly get their information from the dark web and end up killing their mother and injuring their father. These people turn to social media to organize their protests. These people are protesting about a lot of things and nothing specific. Mark Friesen finds it appalling that he's not getting a seat at the table to get his voice of this group out, and Scott Moe isn't taking him serious. Because there's no particular leader or particular organizer, and they all have very different agendas. If Scott Moe or Dr. Shahab wanted to do you have a seat at the table and hear the demands, who would they meet with? They wouldn't be able to meet with anyone, I guess. Getting a seat at the table is earned. It's not demanded. And if you want to get that seat, You'll need to get your house in order. You should be able to unambiguously get your concerns and voices out to the public with full clarity. But every time you confront these guys, they put the onus back on the questionnaire. They tell you vague things like, do your own research and look at the PCR tests. They can't put their findings in layman's terms for all of us to follow or understand. I'm trying to find the virtue in an elitist movement where some simply want to participate in solving this problem, others wish to use it for their own other conspiracy theory agendas, and every other voice is heard, from the completely misinformed to the downright frightening. What is the best case scenario for groups like these? That they submit their data, they get their meeting, and suddenly overturn a year's worth of public health initiatives, and you get to put any and or all of these people in front of a firing squad? Mark Friesen finds it appalling that he's not getting a seat at the table to get his voice of his group out. And Scott Moe and Dr. Shahab aren't taking him serious. Is it perhaps, Mark, because you aren't? This has been The President's Neck is Missing, your quasi-intellectual guide through today's modern world. Catch these idiots once again in our next episode. And I'm not here to make deals. You see, I don't belong to any financial interest or political party, so I can't bargain or negotiate. I'm only here to once again remind you of the emergency we are in. The crisis that you and your predecessors have created and inflicted upon us. The crisis that you continue to ignore. I'm here to remind you.